Jesus is doing it again. He's giving us one of those stories that make us squirm in our seats and feel really uncomfortable. But I guess that's how forgiveness often feels too, right? Whether we're the one forgiving or asking for forgiveness, it kind of makes us squirm sometimes, doesn't it? Which maybe is all the more reason to pay attention here because forgiveness is, after all, the very center of Christian theology and Christian practice. And as simply as we try to teach it to our children, it can be profoundly difficult. And so to start today, Jesus offers us some really practical conflict advice. If someone's offended you in some way, go and talk to them about it one-on-one. It's the same thing that we try to all teach our kids, right? Don't scream, don't hit, don't gossip. Use your words, go talk to them. It's generally a pretty good place to start. Of course, it doesn't always feel that easy. I mean, if you're a conflict avoider, like I can be at times, it's hard to get the energy and the courage to go really do that, but that's where you have to begin. Before you go around talking to others or letting it fester in you or licking your wounds, go and talk to that person one-on-one. Own up to your own hurt. Name it as simply and humbly and honestly as you can. And if that doesn't go really well, then bring a friend or two to help mediate it between you. It's not that complicated, really. It's just good standard practice. And if that still doesn't go well, then ask the community to help you along the way. And sure, that might take a good bit of humility on your part or the part of others, but it's really the best way forward. It's good advice for us, whether we are in our office or whether we're at the church or whether we're at home. This is a pretty good roadmap for dealing with conflict and having healthy relationships and a healthy community. Of course, you and I and Peter know that... Things don't always work out the way they are supposed to, even when you're trying your best. So, Peter asks, exactly how many times am I supposed to forgive Jesus? As many as seven? Peter's being pretty generous, if you ask me. I mean, seven is an awful lot of forgiveness for the very same offense. But Jesus blows the whole thing up like he typically does. Not seven times, Peter but 77 times. Now let's just be honest and admit that Jesus is bordering on the ridiculous here. I'm pretty sure you or I or anyone else is not gonna forgive someone 77 times for the very same offense because we're not going to actually give them that many opportunities to hurt us in the same way. Forgive you two or three times? Sure. Seven times? Maybe, by God's grace, more than that, you've just got to be kidding me. I actually can't believe you would even ask. And before we know it, Jesus' really practical advice about conflict and forgiveness gives way to a completely impractical parable. And I think he must have been telling this story with kind of an ornery grin on his face. You can kind of tell by what he actually says. Even from the beginning of this story, Jesus is playing with extremes. A servant owes the king 10,000 talents. 
And, and that's kind of a ridiculous amount of money. I mean, one talent, one talent could be worth about 15 years of labor, which is another way of saying then that Jesus starts a story by saying, so there was a servant who owed a king something like 150,000 years of labor. So there was a servant who, who owed a king something like 10 gazillion dollars, which was putting the servant in kind of a bind. But the servant begged the king, just give me a little more time. I can get the money to you. <laughs> yeah, right. Who does he think he's getting? A little more time? There's no way he'd ever get that kind of money back. The whole premise of Jesus' story is kind of silly, and everyone listening knew it, and Jesus did too, but, but Jesus goes on in his playful way. The king has pity on the man and forgives the debt, which is to say the king is generous beyond measure, right? It's the kind of generosity that really would be life-changing for you, or so you'd expect, but you all heard the story. Then this same servant goes right out and demands to be paid what another servant owes him. It's about three or four months worth of wages, which is substantial, but it's not even one year. And then he ends up throwing that man in prison for not being able to pay. Well, the king gets word of it and calls him to the carpet. You wicked slave. How could you possibly not have had mercy on your fellow slave? after I had mercy on you. In other words, what in the blank were you thinking? What possible justification could you have for not forgiving someone else after so much has been forgiven of you? And if, you know, if Jesus' story had stopped right there, I think we'd all get the point. It's pretty straightforward, right? I mean, we are, after all, the community of the forgiven. We are the ones who have received grace upon grace. It has been and is being poured into our lives. And so we're called to forgive one another. Forgive one another as Christ, as in Christ God forgave you, Ephesians 4.32 says. And we know that, right? Forgiveness is the mark of the church. It's really the mark of Jesus' spirit among us. It should be that simple, only, if you've ever been deeply wounded by someone, then you know forgiveness is not that straightforward. Not only is it hard, it's not at all clear what forgiveness should actually look like, right? Philip Yancey writes, forgiveness is achingly difficult. Forgiveness is an unnatural act. It, the very taste of forgiveness can somehow seem wrong to us. Now, it would be nice if forgiveness were a straightforward kind of thing. It, it would also be nice if Jesus' parable had ended there and, and we could quit with this nice, simple moral to the story, forgive because you've been forgiven. But remember, this is a parable. And parables generally are not there to just give you a simple moral to live by. They are supposed to make you squirm in your seat. And they're supposed to make you go, wait, what? And scratch your head and wrestle with this story. In other words, parables should be a little shocking most of the time. And they're often confusing on purpose because when you have to ask questions of the story, when you have to wrestle with it, it is more likely to actually work on you. The parable 
has more power that way. And this one is no different. The king calls the serpent, servant to the carpet and reams him. In anger, it says, Jesus said, the king handed the servant over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. 150,000 years, right? <laughs> Remember? It's a bit much, don't you think? And if that isn't confusing enough, Jesus throws out this doozy. So my heavenly father will also do with every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. Wait, what? That's not what God is supposed to do. At least not the God that Jesus has taught us about in other places, right? So there has to be some catch here, some explanation. But Jesus actually doesn't give any exclamation. He just moves on. Literally, actually, the very next verse, after he'd finished saying this, he left Galilee and went about Judea. He just left the story there, left it hanging in the air. So we're just left with these words for us today, with this image of the servant who is tortured until he can pay it back. This image between me and the people that I'm supposed to forgive this image between me and God, this God that I'm not quite sure what to think about after Jesus's little story here. But if this is a wisdom story, it's a parable, so we have to wrestle. Let's not move on. Let's let it work on us because maybe there is something more to this than a simple reminder to forgive. Maybe it's about something more than a cosmic carrot and a stick. Maybe Jesus is actually trying to evoke a response in us. He's probably being pro provocative on purpose because that's often the real genius of Jesus' teaching is he's opening up just how complex forgiveness is, is in order to tell us not just that we should forgive, but to show us just how complex and what forgiveness is actually like. And so first, his very practical forgiveness about conflict management, it gives way to this very impractical story, which is one way of saying that there is more to forgiveness than just going through the due process. Yes, step one and step two are important. It's a helpful roadmap, especially at first. But if you think that forgiveness can be boiled down to a simple process, a formula, then you haven't really begun to understand what forgiveness is like. Because you see, forgiveness is not just getting to the point of clarifying who is right and who was wrong. And forgiveness is not just getting to the point where someone finally gets off the hook. It's not just clearing the air, but forgiveness, it, it was about something more than even letting, just letting things go 70 times seven. Because, you know, if, if we're just doing that, if we're just letting someone get off the hook, if we're just clearing the air over and over again, then that, that's a lot more like enabling someone than forgiving someone. In fact, Nadia Boltz-Weber, she always has this great way with words. And, and she says that sometimes forgiving someone can feel similar to saying, well, it's okay, don't worry about it. And so all of Jesus' insistent talk about forgiveness, it can kind of get a bit embarrassing after a while, she writes. So much talk of forgiveness can make following Jesus feel like 
putting together a group of Pansy Anonymous meetings with this slogan that says, treat us like crap, we'll totally forgive you, it's okay. Isn't forgiving over and over just the thing that keeps battered women battered, she asks. It's an important question. Forgiveness has to be about something more than just letting someone off the hook or letting it go. It actually has a much deeper purpose than that. Its purpose isn't at all forgetfulness. Its purpose is actually restoration. You see, forgiveness is really a tool in relationships. And outside that purpose, outside the purpose of relationship and restoration, it really begins to lose its deeply transformative power. The king in Jesus' story, he has compassion on the servant and offers him forgiveness. But what we find out is that the servant didn't really want forgiveness. He just wanted to be off the hook. And the wisdom story that Jesus is giving us is helping us to see that there is a difference. Craig Coaster is a New Testament scholar, and he says forgiveness is supposed to open up a future that the past has closed off. Forgiveness says that the past doesn't have to dictate to us what the future becomes. And that's a different kind of thing. It's saying that the future can be created in a way that's not fully just determined by the past. It's different than letting go. That kind of transformation of the future, though, it, it doesn't just happen by dismissing and it doesn't happen by denying. It actually can only happen when we are honest about the wounds and the scars in the relationship that when we are honest about the wounds and the scars from the past and even choosing to honor that pain while at the same time not handing the whole of our life's direction over to that pain. In other words, forgiveness means honoring your past while simultaneously imagining a redemptive future and working toward that, saying, that's what I want. How do we get there? Frederick Beekner, he says that forgiving is saying to someone, although I make no guarantees that I will be able to forget what you've done, and although we might both carry the scars of this for the rest of our life, I refuse to let it stand between us for eternity. It's opening up a future that the past wants to close off and holding out that future as a possibility to embrace its restoration. And here's the thing. Even if the relationship can't be restored to what it once was, that would be ignoring the past. It can't be restored to what it once was because sometimes that's just impossible. Forgiveness can be a restoration of the forgiver and the one being forgiven. Because you see, if we don't both find our way towards forgiveness, even if we can't go back to our future relationships, we will, you will remain chained to the past. Your wounds will determine your future. Now, 
before we finish, we also have to pause and acknowledge that there are times, there are times when that forgiveness that we're talking about evades us even if we are trying for it. See, the truth is, in some instances, you might find that you simply don't have the capacity to forgive someone, as we're talking about. Or, or, or you, you simply don't know how, how to get there. To be quite honest, there are a couple people, a couple circumstances from my own past that I still wrestle with forgiving as much as I have tried in different moments. It's not that I don't want to or that I, I know, don't know that I should, but it's that I don't seem to be able to. The anger from those wounds, the hurt, it will come back and it will grip me in some of the most unexpected moments. If you've ever wrestled with forgiveness, you see, you actually know that Jesus' story and his description is, is right on the money. Those past debts, those old wounds that we can't forgive, they end up feeling a whole lot like being bound and tortured. I think that his wisdom story comes with such a harsh warning, not because God demands payment from us, but because the reality is that those old wounds can eat at you and haunt you and come back to you in some of the most unexpected moments. And after a while, you just come face to face with this reality that you can't forgive this. Not because of some stubbornness on your part or unwillingness, but you can't forgive it because you don't know how. You don't have it in you. You're just not simply, you're simply just not capable of it. And sometimes recognizing that coming to the very end of our abilities is actually the very key to unlocking the prison door we have been trapped in. Because it's then, when we are at our wit's end, that the only thing we can do is turn to God and to plead for help. I can't do this, Lord. Help me to forgive. I don't know how. Help me, God. And when we can begin to pray that, and we pray that prayer as we're wrestling with forgiving someone, that prayer of Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner, because I don't know how to forgive. When we start praying that, things begin to actually shift in us and in the world, something mysterious starts happening. And I can tell you from my own experience that forgiveness doesn't necessarily flood you right then and there, but it is that prayer that can begin to unlock the prison and lead you through the prison doors, that narrow gate, into a redeemed future that you didn't know was even possible. This is our hope through Christ. Amen.